This is a story about artificial intelligence. It's also a story about genius, about humanity, and about changing the world. This is the Tech Barometer Podcast. I'm Jason Lopez. What we want to do in this podcast is show you what's going on in the field of AI. And it's not a story with a dystopian movie narrative. The cloud is setting off a tectonic shift. It's a platform that can help you speak Icelandic or land an airplane or build a data center. But as the cloud matures, machine learning tools are poised to revolutionize the way people work. We're starting to experience natural language processing, such as Siri or Alexa, or even when you call into a bank for services and reach an automated attendant. And there's computer vision, which is what driverless cars use, or deep learning, which can analyze complex data like video or audio. An example of this is how Ahmed Elgamal, computer science professor at Rutgers University, helped to finish Beethoven's 10th symphony using AI. Sketches of Beethoven have been around for a long time. There have been previous attempts to complete his symphony. Beethoven died before writing anything substantial that we'd call a 10th symphony. He left many musical fragments in the form of scores as well as notes scribbled on various scraps of paper. In the 1980s, musicologist Barry Cooper used a collection of Beethoven sketches intended for a 10th symphony to put together a hypothetical first movement. But with a few new musical sketches discovered after Cooper's project, Elgamal's team had an intriguing challenge. Essentially, teach the AI Beethoven's creative process. Give it just a handful of notes that Beethoven had written down to finish the symphony. The question is really how to generate a symphony using AI, because um, these kind of sketches were very sparse to the point that any attempt to complete that symphony has to be mainly interpolation of a human composer. So the question was, can AI do something here? Is AI ready? The idea of a computer writing music in the style of a composer is not new. 25 years ago, David Cope, a University of California Santa Cruz music professor who's now retired, produced music with a program called Experiments in Musical Intelligence, also known as Emmy, which he had developed since the early 1980s. Among the composers Emmy was learning from, Bach. I chose the inventions as sort of an initial output was because most of us who've taken piano lessons as children ended up struggling with these uh, little contrapuntal nightmares because they are difficult, but they pose wonderfully interesting physical challenges and teach certain techniques that are indispensable that no other pieces seem to do in quite the same way. What I want the project to do is to teach me about musical style and hopefully to produce some good music that I like to listen to because I think that's very, very important quality. Cope developed the program to the point of releasing albums of computer-generated music. The originality of Emmy's output depends on what you program into it. Well, you need a minimum of two works of the type you want to emulate. The more works, the more unique or individual the output will be. And the fewer works, the more like one of the works you input, the results will be. So therefore, if you put two works in, there's a good chance that 
you will recognize pretty, you know, pretty clearly uh, some of the, uh, uh, you know, musical ideas relevant to one of the works in the database. If you put in a hundred works, uh, the chances are remote that you'll be able to draw immediate connections by ear at least to any one of the works that appears in the database. By the early 2000s, Cope had developed Emmy to such a point that he renamed the program Emily Howell and released several albums of music under her name. At the end of this podcast, we'll play music by Emmy as well as by Bach and see if you can tell the difference. Can we teach AI to uh, learn from classical composers, learning how to take a motif and develop it to a whole segment in a movement, and then with the second motif, develop the second segment? Aside from being a computer science professor, Elgamal is a developer of an AI program called Playform. It's a collaboration tool for artists. It makes AI programming accessible by allowing creators to build and train their own AI. His reason for completing Beethoven's Tenth Symphony, then, goes beyond being a classical music lover, which he is. It was to advance the capabilities of artificial intelligence. There's a lot of things that need to be done in order to be able to take scores that are very fragmented and make a whole movement or two movements, 25 minutes of music out of that is a big challenge. A lot has to really be done. That to-do list was a bit daunting. They had to feed AI Beethoven's styles, writing forms like scherzos or trios, the way he develops melodic lines and harmonizes them, counterpoint, his use of repeats, bridges, and codas. And then there's how Beethoven likes to divide the parts up among instruments in orchestrations. To take scant material, just a handful of fragments, required far more than filling in the blanks. It meant AI had to learn what Beethoven would do. So Beethoven just left small phrases or motifs, exactly like when you hear the Fifth Symphony, and there's this four note beginning the symphony. Beethoven would take these four notes and develop a whole movement. AI finishing Beethoven's 10th demonstrates something very powerful. This thing was a process because it was not a matter of feeding a few scraps of music into a computer, hitting a button, and out pops a symphony. The reality was that they had to work at it. The first results from the AI didn't sound like what Beethoven would do. It meant working with machine learning to develop the piece. Computers were made by human beings, and the programs were created by human beings, and the music upon which the program operates was created by human beings. Computers are tools, they're extensions of ourselves and reflections of our understanding of music. We, we should understand at least its basic operation, and I hate to dispel the mystery, but it seems to me not so mysterious. Remember the opening scene in 2001, A Space Odyssey? The primates discover tools for the first time. Bones lying on the ground, which they pick up as weapons. One of the apes, Victorious, throws it into the air, and as it descends back to Earth, the image jump cuts millions of years into the future, replaced by a spaceship headed for a space station. Mm -hmm. 
an untoo-subtle message that a jawbone and a space station are basically the same thing. We'll add to that AI. In computer speak, AI thinks, but that's jargon. It no more does actual thought than books actually remember information. Many technologists would say that if intelligence is defined as what humans do, then... We actually don't have any artificial intelligence in the world at all. We have made tremendous progress with machine learning. The machine has been trained. Wendy Pfeiffer is the CIO of Nutanix, who points out what's going on here, that we're creating more and more powerful tools which, based on algorithms, can make choices. But the machine is not doing anything beyond its programming. Computer science thinker and writer Mark Mills puts it into perspective. The cloud is transforming the world with its constellation of information technologies from networking to IoT. Artificial intelligence is one of the critical tools the cloud enables. They're giving individuals in real time useful advice, which has extraordinary economic value because it's profoundly productive because it saves the most precious commodity in the universe, human time. Many of the tools that we use to augment the employee experience are machine learning tools. Pfeiffer explains it with the example of a machine learning tool from MoveWorks AI, which enables employees to ask for help in their native language. It translates queries into machine-readable language and then executes on requests automatically. So even if I don't have a help desk person who is a native speaker of French, the person who's requesting help can request in French, and then my help desk person can see that request in, say, German and help them. That's an example of machine learning technology embedded in our help and our customer support workflows. A Deloitte study from 2019 notes the cloud is the driver of more than 80% of AI implementations in data centers, as well as the platform from which users will access AI tools. And while some of the tools are enterprise level, a myriad of AI apps are coming to help us do better just about anything you can think of, such as creating visual art or finishing a work of music. Elgamal emphasizes this doesn't mean AI is pushing humans out of the way, that wasn't the reason for finishing Beethoven's 10th. Some people feel that creativity is something sacred to human and a machine should not step into that. Uh, I don't agree with that. If you understand the context of these kind of projects, it's not about the machine will now make Beethoven music or Bach music or Mozart music. Yeah, it can, and we prove it's possible. But that's not the goal. The goal is really to push the AI and the machine creativity forward so it can really become a creative collaborator. The collaboration seems limitless, as Elgamal's quest is to understand how to make machine learning better. I can't imagine a machine being called intelligent without having ability to be also creative to some degree. So we all talk about AI in the context of automation, or maybe playing chess and playing uh, AlphaGo, or driving cars autonomously. All that are important, uh, but fundamental thing is AI becoming creative and collaborative partner to humans. Ahmed Elgamal is a professor of computer science and the director of the Art and AI Lab at Rutgers University. He's also the founder of Artrindex, the company that makes Playform. You can create art with AI at playform.io. David Cope is an author, composer, and scientist 
He's a retired professor of music and taught at the University of California, Santa Cruz. If you want to immerse yourself in a wealth of information, music, and writing about algorithms, COPE's webpage is artsites.ucsc.edu slash faculty slash COPE. Wendy Pfeiffer is the CIO of Nutanix. Aside from her talk satirically entitled Our Robot Overlords and the Future of Tech, which you can find on YouTube, her latest project as CIO is the hybridization of IT work, which includes remote and asynchronous staff collaboration. AI tools are a part of that effort. We also heard from Mark Mills, a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and a faculty fellow at Northwestern University's McCormick School of Engineering. He's the author of The Cloud Revolution, How the Convergence of New Technologies Will Unleash the Next Economic Boom and a Roaring 2020s. Tech Barometer is produced by The Forecast. For more stories on technology, check out The Forecast by Nutanix.com. You might be interested in one, Michael Brenner's story, The Role of AI in Cloud Computing. So see if you can tell which of these compositions was composed by Bach and which was composed by David Cope's Emmy.
The first was Bach's 11th invention in G minor, BWV 782. The second was an invention by Emmy. I'm Jason Lopez. This is the Tech Barometer Podcast. Thanks for listening.